Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here is Pastor Deborah Malik. Wasn't that fun? That was so cute. I love that. Well, hi, everybody. How are you today? All your, your smiling faces looking at me. This is wonderful. That's a good start. <laughs> so I'm Pastor Deb, as Michaela said, and it is Michaela's birthday to get today. And, you know, I wouldn't be a very good mother if I didn't mention that, right? Right. So speaking of mother, I am one of those. <laughs> and it's really hard for me to get up and to ever talk without mentioning my, mentioning my children. So that's just a warning because there's going to be some of those things. So there we all are. Look at that. That was at Christmas time and we were in Florida. Our youngest daughter, Mackenzie, who's to the very right in the back, um, she is in Australia. So this was the last opportunity that we had to get together as a family. So we took it. And, of course, we had to go to Florida for that because our son and daughter-in-law live there. So I um, love kids. I love my kids. I love that refuge is about children. It's about growing children. We have a child care center. We have a Christian school. So it's really important to us that we're training children from little all the way up to our wisdom generation, right? That's... 55 and older. I don't need to see a show of hands. So that means if you're under 55, that's why you're here, right? We're getting more wisdom, right? Well, my husband, Pastor Matt, isn't he handsome? He always starts every sermon out with a couple jokes. So I didn't want to disappoint. So do you know if Google is a male or a female? Of course, Google is a female because you might be typing a question and they give you an answer before you even get to finish the question. <laughs> but the other thing about Google, Google's always right. So, what do you call a melon that's not allowed to get married? Can't elope. That was a dad joke. And then there was this little boy, and he said, Dad, I've heard that in some parts of Africa that a man doesn't know his wife before they get married. And the dad said, Son, hate to tell you this, but it happens that way everywhere in the world. <laughs> Is that true? Kind of. Well, again, I want to thank you for being here. We're starting a series today called Together. And together is about relationships. It doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single, wherever you are in that spectrum, relationships are something that we encounter every single day of our lives. And so I want you to turn your listening ears on, that's what we say in preschool, <laughs> and just receive whatever you have to receive from this message. And you know everything might not be exactly for you, but I'll bet you know people around you that could benefit from some of these things. Why don't we open up with a word of prayer?
Father, I just thank you for this time that we get to gather here today as a family. We know that when family comes together, things can get messy sometimes, but we also know that at the core of all of it is your love. And so we thank you today for your love. We thank you for this message. God, I just ask that you use my mouth as a mouthpiece for what you want to share with the hearts of these people gathered. In Jesus' name, amen. So love is interesting in the English language because we have one word for love. But do you know that there are all kinds of ways to describe love? So like you saw, like the peanut butter and jelly. Some of you really love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But do you love a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like you love your husband? Probably not. It's probably a different kind of love. But we use one word, which kind of is a disservice to the word love, isn't it? The actual meaning, definition of the word love is an intense feeling of deep affection. Isn't that sweet? So when you say you love someone, but then when you say like you love ketchup, kind of doesn't, doesn't have that same, an intense feeling of deep affection for ketchup. So maybe we have to find different words for those things, right? Love is unconditional. The word unconditional means that there's no expectations or limitations set. To love unconditionally is really something that's pretty difficult. And guess what? Us humans, we're not very good at it. Because whether we like to admit it or not, we put expectations on people and sometimes really unfair expectations because they might not have a clue that you're wanting that out of a relationship. Pastor Matt's definition of love is an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And he also says that love sees people as valuable and precious. So, good job. That's a good meaning. (laughs) The Bible's definition of love, you probably all know what that is if you've ever been to a wedding, because they usually use this verse in a lot of weddings. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And I'm going to read it today in the modern English version. It says that love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself and is not puffed up. It does not behave itself improperly. It seeks not its own. It's not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And most of all, love never fails. You know, if you're having relationship issues, if you take a step back and read those verses, it's going to help with some heart alterations. Because when we can look at people and think, I really don't like this right now, or I really don't like what we're going through. But if you can think, and Pastor Matt shared this last week, when we do premarital counseling or counseling with couples that are having some struggles to get through, We always encourage them to use this verse, but then to put their name in it. So like I would say, Matt 
suffers long and is kind. You suffer long, honey. <laughs> but you're kind. <laughs> Matt envies not. Matt flaunts not himself and is not puffed up. Matt does not behave improperly, and so on and so on. So I would read that with Matt's name in it. I'd read it with my name in it. Deb doesn't do all those things. <laughs> but in the end, the love of God through Deb never fails. And again, if we can take that step back, no matter what relationship, and think, I want to walk this out with God's love, we can do it because we're tapping into a power that's greater than ourselves. You know, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I grew up in a church environment that, that um, I learned about Jesus, I learned who God was, but I didn't receive him into my heart and for myself and for my everyday living until I was about 23 years old. But when that happened, what happened most importantly in my life is I received God's love for me. And do you know that faith works by love? I wouldn't be able to receive him if I didn't have faith. And I had to trust in something that I couldn't see, that I've never felt, not, not with my fingers anyway, <laughs> but something that I felt in my heart. And that's an act of faith. And I want to share that with you in Galatians 5, 6, in the New Living Translation. It says, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus... What is important is faith expressing itself in love. And do you know sometimes when you're having conflict with somebody, that's what that is, right? It's faith that I really love this person, and so we're going to work through this. We're going to walk through that. That's expressing faith expressing itself in love. Do you know um, there was this couple, the Guinness Book of World Records. How many of you like that? I like that kind of thing for some reason. I have no, no idea why, but I like to know those things. And, and the longest married couple recorded in that book was 87 years. And it was Zelmira and Herbert Fisher. And what was interesting is he died when he was 105 years old. And a few years later, she died. And she died at 105 years old. But they were married 87 years, and when they celebrated 85 years of marriage, they were asked a few questions. One of the questions was, at the end of a bad day, what's the most important thing to remind yourselves? And they said, remember, marriage is not a contest. Never keep a score. So throughout this message, if I see nudging, you're keeping score. <laughs> God has put the two of you together. You're on the same team to win. Another question they asked is, is fighting important? And they said, never physically. So if you do that, I guess you got to stop, according to them. Agree that it's okay to disagree and fight for what really matters. Learn to bend and not break. I thought that was really good advice. What's the best piece of marriage advice that you've ever received? Respect, support, and communicate with each other. Be faithful, honest, and true. 
Love each other with all of your heart. And then one of, th- one of the things they said that they had in common, that they be- believe transcended everything else, is that they were both Christians and they both believe in God. For them, marriage was a commitment to the Lord. And every single day they prayed for each other and with each other. I think that's some really good advice, isn't it? For us to know that if you're married, if you're not married, if you're hoping to be married someday, to know that you can learn this stuff ahead of time. Like if you're not married, I wish somebody would have sat down with me back in my old days and say, hey, when you're doing this, like these are the consequences of those actions. And um, maybe somebody tried, but <laughs> I didn't have my listening ears on, <laughs> you know. So today, you know, receive some of this stuff because it's really good to know this before you enter into relationships. You know that marriage was God's idea. And so if marriage is God's idea, we're pretty blessed if you have a walk with the Lord because you've already partnered with the best marriage counselor there ever was. Another thing, the Guinness Book of World Records. So if there was a longest marriage, that means there was a shortest marriage. 15 minutes. Can you believe it? And guess what it was over? Money. So this guy in Dubai, which apparently they're not short of money in Dubai, but this guy said that he would pay $100,000 to marry his bride. And so they get to the service and he had only paid $57,000 for the bride. And the dad was like, hey, you know, you owe me some money. And so the guy's like, okay, my friend will go out in the car and get the money. And so the friend went out to the car to get the money, came back, gave him the money. The groom turned around, went back in the courthouse, and filed for divorce. So he didn't get his money worth, did he? (laughs) No. So that was the shortest marriage, 15 minutes, which is really sad, isn't it? (laughs) Because we know that that wasn't a marriage that was probably based on Jesus Christ. We don't have to make those kinds of mistakes. We have opportunities, again, to learn things and to grow and to know that we can build our relationship on Jesus. One of the um, things... You know, when I think about marriages, when I think about relationships, no matter what relationships, there's three key elements that I think are important for successful marriages. One of them is trust. When you can't trust, you really have no foundation. Maybe somebody hurt you or lied to you or disappointed you. You know that trust can be violated, but trust can also be restored. You know, we've sat in marriage counseling sessions where we just thought, how is this ever going to work out? It's because they chose to forgive. Trust can be restored when you choose to forgive. Another thing is mutual commitment. Mutual commitment is give and take. Everything isn't always one-sided. She doesn't always get her way. He doesn't always call the shots. It's a mutual agreement, a mutual commitment. And in a mutual commitment, you each put each other first. And, you know, there's times where um, I may not have totally been in agreement with something that Matt wanted or thought, and I 
don't have a problem voicing my opinion <laughs> with him with those things. But at the end of the day, if he really has peace about something that I might not, I can trust the God in him and go with that. But he's also a husband that doesn't take a ton of steps forward without there being agreement because that's important to us in relationship. The next thing is communication. You know, communication is something in any relationship, whether it's on the job, whether it's at school, whether it's in a marriage, any kind of relationship, communication is key. And communication isn't communication unless there's understanding. So the definition of communication is a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. So, you know, Matt and I have been married 26. This will be our 27th year. And there have only been a couple times that we've had miscommunication, right? Just a couple. So I'll tell you about one, and, and he might have told this story before too, but I guess it's both of our story to tell, so that's okay. <laughs> so we had a microwave, and the microwave needed repair. And so, you know, we had this warranty, and so we um, called because they would um, come and fix it. And, and so I don't like being home when those repairmen come because I don't know what they're talking about half the time. And so it's just way better if he's home and he deals with that end of things. But I was a good wife, and I was home because he had some other appointment. So the guy comes, and he, he um, gives me the bill, and so I got it. So Matt comes home, and he's like, so I said it was only a little part that was needed. And, and he said, well, how much was it? And I said, six fifty. And he said, six fifty? I said, yeah, six fifty. Well, I'm gonna have to transfer money from savings into our checking. And I'm like, for six fifty? He said, Why did you let them, you know, do that for six fifty? Do you know how many microwaves we could have bought for six <laughs> fifty? I said, six dollars and fifty cents? Miscommunication. <laughs> so Know where you put the decimal point. <laughs> so that was one of those miscommunication things. wasn't a big deal, but, you know, it could have been. And really, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I would have known we aren't, we're not going to pay $650 for a little part for a microwave. But anyway, that's a whole nother, another message, right, honey? <laughs> so when there's mistrust, you know, we have all kinds of emotions that get stirred up when there's not good communication. So the emotion that I thought for mistrust is insecurity. Because then you wonder, you're always wondering, can I trust them? Are they going to do this again? They told me they weren't going to, but are they? For mutual commitment, it can be unworthiness. Like, they don't think that I'm worthy enough, or that they value me enough, or that they think enough of me to mutually commit to our relationship in the same way. And if you aren't communicating, I think probably the biggest emotion that can be stirred up is frustration. Although it can be anger, and it can be all kinds of other yucky stuff. <laughs> but, 
you know, I, I really think, again, if we go back to that definition of love, that, that verse 8 where it says the greatest of these is love, that love never fails, that's something that whenever this stuff comes up, take that deep breath. There's a lady that I know that she used to say to me, let your first thought be love. Isn't that good advice? Let your first thought be love. There's really good topic or books on the topic of communication. So if you're taking notes or you have a device there, um, one of them is called Telling Yourself the Truth. The other one is Telling Each Other the Truth. They're wonderful books on communication. And that's by William Backus and Marie Chapman. You know, we have these things called feelings, right? And the thing about feelings is we really can't trust them, right? Because depending on the day, depending on the weather, depending if there's sunshine or not, like our feelings can be all over the place. But something that doesn't have to be all over the place is our commitment and our love for Jesus Christ. And that can kind of, you know, be one of those like, eh, whatever, that's just one of those phrases that everybody uses. But it really is the truth. When we can tap into the love of God inside of us, it helps us so much with relationships. You know, um, something that in talking about relationships, there may be some of you out there in dating relationships, some of you that are in wannabe dating relationships, <laughs> some of you that are like, forget it, get that away from me, <laughs> uh, whatever place you are when it comes to relationships. Remember that when you're entering into a dating relationship, do you know, um, we had a minister years ago that, that shared this with us, and I thought this is the best advice ever, that your first date is your first step to marriage. Okay, like, sorry for some of you that are dating, and you're like, what? Nobody ever told me this before. I'm out of here. No. <laughs> Hopefully that's not you. <laughs> But um, why else enter a relationship with somebody and let any kind of emotions get tied up in it if you're not thinking marriage? Because somebody's going to get hurt. <laughs> and so that's something to think about. In the, in the back of your mind, my first step, my first date is a first step to marriage. One of the things that... Um, is important when you're in a relationship is guarding your heart. You know, jumping ahead. Like, you're on your first date and you're like, okay, you know, like I wouldn't have said yes if I didn't think there could be potential here, but I still need to guard my heart. Because what if I'm going through this relationship and I'm at a place and, and I'm like, I'm just not really sure. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, in the New Living Translation, it says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. And this is my favorite part. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
What course do you want your life on? What path do you want to follow when it comes to your life? If there's someone that you're in a relationship with, and maybe it's not a dating kind of relationship, but other relationship, maybe it's, it's a friendship, just a pure friendship, and there's just something in your heart that this always seems off when I'm with this person. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else. And above all else is pretty clear. That means above everything. Guard your heart. You know, something that I think about in those kinds of relationships are things like, does this person and my time with this person draw me closer to God or pull me away from God? Does spending time with this person cause compromise in my life? Like are things I always have to be bending on or things that don't feel right in my heart and I'm still doing it because I want to preserve this relationship? Those are things to really guard your heart about. Don't be in a relationship with somebody that's a taker. Like you go out to dinner and like you're always the one buying. Like that might be a hint, you know. Um, It's a give and take. Relationships are give and take. Dr. James Dobson, who's a Christian psychologist, said something that, again, I thought was great advice. He said, you don't marry the person that you think you can live with. You marry the person that you can't imagine living without. Isn't that sweet? That's so true. Like, I can't imagine living my life without my husband. I can't imagine that. And I'm glad I don't have to. So, you know, when, when we let our emotions rule, you know, it can be you see Mr. Wright walking in the room and you get all these butterflies inside. Don't forget, like in 30 years from now, he might be a moth, you know, and dusty and gray and all that stuff, you know. Maybe he doesn't flutter like he used to and all that good stuff. That's why it's got to be commitment, right? Right. So... I I still have a butterfly, though. We don't have to worry about that, because I'm not at 30 years yet. No. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The Bible says in the Song of Solomon that we're not supposed to awaken love before before it's time. So that's in Song of Solomon 8.4. It says, Promise me, or women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love before the time that it's right. Do you know what Hollywood romance does? Like, if you've ever turned on a television and you see all this stuff, that's exactly what they do. Love is always awakened before its time. God is a God of order. And awakening love before its time means I'm letting my emotions and all this stuff get ahead of the order that God would have for my relationship. With media, there's so much stuff out there. And... You know, I really want to encourage you to open the Bible. (laughs) Find out what God's word says about relationship. Because you're not going to find it from Hollywood. Like those those marriages, you know, they're a couple days, months, maybe years. They're very few that last a really long time. Yet that's what's in front of us all the time. Have you looked at God's word to find out what he says about relationships? What he says about marriage? what he says about sex, about what he says about the husband and the wife. 
But you know what we need to do, wives? We need to love and to respect our husband. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible also says, um, or we're supposed to honor and respect. The husband is to love the wife as Christ loves the church. So how did Christ love the church? Do we know how did Christ really love the church? Is totally unconditional. But there's so many other ways that he loved the church. So that's your homework. Find out how did God love the church. Find out what did God say about marriage. What did God say about relationships. You know, um, a few of you know, or maybe a lot of you know, <laughs> but my mom passed away. It was actually two weeks yesterday. And I honestly didn't know if I'd be able to speak at all because, you know, it's still kind of raw. My mom is my mom. No matter how old I am, your mom is still your mom. And so, you know, I look at my parents and their relationship, and they've known each other for 60 years. And so my mom has battled cancer, battled cancer four different times, and this was the fifth time. (laughs) And we were sitting with her in the doctor's office, and she said, I just... I just don't want chemo. I don't want radiation. I don't want all those things that they'll do to me. I just want what God has for my life. And so that was a reality check for uh, all of us because she was diagnosed with brain cancer, the kind of cancer they said she would have one to three months to live. And so one to three months is not very long. But one to three months, you know, she, she, she passed away one month and one day after she was diagnosed. But we had that time with her that was like absolutely precious and amazing and something I'm just so thankful for. But you know, something that I witnessed is um, my dad and mom's love for each other. He would sit at her bed and hold her hand and just tell her how much he loved her. And, like, my mom and dad were squabblers, you know? (laughs) They would be like, turn that light off. Put the toilet paper on this way. Blah, 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 you know? But when it came right down to it, that love that they had for each other was something that was so amazingly precious. You know, he would stroke her hair, and and he would tell her how beautiful she was, and and she was. (laughs) And I said, Dad, she's so beautiful. And he'd say, I know, Debbie. That's why I picked her (laughs) in his broken English, you know. But the thing that I noticed most is that core, deep relationship. You know, that's something God has for all of us that are married. All of us that want to be married is when it comes right down to it, it doesn't matter how you put the toilet paper on. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you leave a light on too long. What matters is that you're committed to that person no matter what. You know, I, I think of them. They started out, you know, I, um, you've heard this story too. I was born two months after they were married, and back in those days that wasn't a popular kind of thing. <laughs> they had five children in, um, or four children in five years. Like, you know, that's a lot of work. <laughs> so I know that there were struggles. But the love that they had was core, was to the core. 
you know, he's going through a hard time, so pray for him. You know, we went out on Friday night because they went for fish every Friday night. You know, good people that have their Friday night fish fries. (laughs) And so we went, and he didn't want to go anywhere that he'd know people because he said, I won't be able to talk because he just cries, you know. But we got him out, so that was really awesome. You know, and their relationship, you know, they, their relationship with the Lord is a core, solid foundation. You know, they might not practice their faith like I do, but that doesn't make their faith wrong. Their faith and their love for God was amazing. You know, church was really always very important to them. You know, remembering that they're people that were bound together. And being bound together is a good thing. In 2 Corinthians 6.14 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Do not be unequally bound together with unbelievers. Do not make mismatch alliances with them. Inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership can righteousness have with lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So when we read through all of that, what it's really saying is the person that you marry, make sure you're bound together with them spiritually. Make sure that they love God like you love God. Make sure that you're not somebody who's like, I really can't pray in front of them. Or I really can't worship in front of them because they'll think that's really weird. And like, we're never going to pray together. That's his relationship with God. That's mine. You know, really, it's yours together. Because of God's joining your relationship together, it's a three-strand cord that won't be easily broken. You know, the word says that in that same verse, the end of that verse, it says, I will dwell among them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So is God walking with you? Is he walking among your relationships? Is he walking with you in day-to-day life? Or are there places you're like, okay, God, like you can come here, but you really can't come here because like that's just my, like you're not invited into that part of my life. That's really not the relationship that God's looking for with you. Jesus gives us an opportunity before we ever have relationships with each other to have a relationship to be bound together with him. You know, there was a day in my life that I didn't know Jesus in a personal way. It was a time in my life that I thought, you know, God is up here, and I'm down here, and if I do something wrong, he is going to get me. (laughs) And, like, I can't hide from God. Like, how can you hide from God, right? But I really didn't know that I served a loving God. I didn't know that God was going to be there for me whenever I needed him, that I could just call on him and he'd be there. You know, the Bible says that he's at hand. So everybody put your hand out. Like, God's at hand. He's like that close. He's right there. In Psalms 86, 5, it says, O Lord, you are so good. You are so ready to forgive. You are so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. You know, when you're in relationships, there's times it's not going so well. You need to forgive. 
You need to walk things out with people. And isn't it awesome because this psalm says that he's there to help us. All you have to do is ask. And then in Psalms 86, 15, it says, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I didn't know that God before. I didn't know that God was slow to get angry and that he was filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I thought he's the guy who got ticked at me. (laughs) But that's not who he is. We serve a good God. We serve a loving God. You know, no matter where you've been with in relationships, and I know there's people out here that are divorced or going through hard times, that's the awesome thing about God, too. Like right there, it says that he's a God of compassion and mercy. He forgives us. Like it's so amazing, that kind of love. You know, I want us to think about that and think about your day today. I'd like you to close your eyes. And Father, we come before you today. Every person that's sitting out here. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know that kind of love, that awe-forgiving love, that merciful love, that love that cares about us to the core, if you don't know that kind of love, you can know it today. You can walk out these doors knowing that you've just encountered the best kind of love, unwavering love, unconditional love, the best kind of love you'll ever experience. And if you want that kind of love, I'd like you to raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. God loves you so much. He loves me so much. He loves every person sitting in here. Without his love, our lives would be so messed up. Like that song, that reckless love song. He's running after you. And so, Father, right now, I just ask that we, as we open our hearts to you, I'd just like you to pray this prayer with me, you guys. And this we call the believer's prayer, because this is your step of faith, saying, God, I'm believing today. I'm trusting today. I'm committing to you today. So repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to the cross to die for me. I ask that you forgive me for things that I've said or done or thought that weren't in line with your will. I ask that you come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. And this day, I choose to serve you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. And still with your head bowed and eyes closed, you know, if if you are examining your heart right now and the relationships around you, 
I just want you to let God speak to you. And how he speaks to you is just whispers things to your heart. You know, this relationship, you might want to think differently about. Or you might want to give more to this relationship. You need to spend more time together. You need to put that other person first. Let God speak to you. Let him talk to you, to your heart. And Father, I thank you for this word that went forth today. And I ask God that you put a seal on it. And that things that need we need to be reminded of, that you remind us throughout the week. And help us to share goodness and kindness and love with those around us. In Jesus' name. Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.